Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia. We are at Lords now. Australia 1-0 up in the series after their pulsating victory at Edgebaston. But now it's time to return to the home of cricket, where Australia have a great record and are going to play some very interesting cricket. My name is Josh Shonifinger and I'm joined by Louis Cameron. And Louis, we're just excited to be here, aren't we? I'm very excited to be here, Josh. I mean, this is everyone's dream, right? Lord's Test, uh, an Ashes occasion. It doesn't really get much bigger than this. We're kind of, we're looking out here at the um, at the pavilion, just watching Alex Carey do some keeping drills before watching Scott Boland, Travis Head, and is that Marcus Harris just walking back to the to pavilion um, and and over to the net? So it's uh, it's really cool to just kind of be on deck and to be doing this doing this here in front of you, mate. Now, we're going to have a pretty good recap of the last test with Travis Head. That's coming up later in this episode, so do stay tuned for that. He's, he gives us some good insights on the, that test match, talking with the crowd, uh, his battles out in the middle as well. So plenty to look forward to with that. But we want to talk about the Lord's Test, which is coming up in a few days. And there have been a few little changes from each side. Uh, why don't we start with England, who have brought in... A 18-year-old leg-spinning all-rounder. It's uh, potentially because of Mo and Ali's finger injury that we've spoken so much about. Yeah, I mean, it looks doesn't look great for for Mo and Ali. I mean, the amount of uh, work that he had to do on that finger in the last test would suggest that he's going to be hard pressed to play here at Lords. I wouldn't rule it out completely. You know, these things can heal, but uh, and you know, they, this is a longer break between the tests. So there's a long break between uh, the first and second tests and between the third and fourth tests. Uh, in Leeds and Manchester but apart from that it's you know quick turnaround so he's a bit lucky in that regard but you know we said it on the podcast last week right in the in the daily episodes that you know they were always gonna he was always gonna have trouble bowling with the Duke's ball with the bigger seam given his amount of uh, red ball preparation which is very limited so Rehan Ahmed comes into the squad uh, leg spinner a bold selection right like uh, the kind of selection we might have expected England to kind of make before that first test instead yeah. of Moeen um, as, as a leggy, as an attacking option. I think the thing that they came away from that first test with, speaking to a few of the people around the England team, was that Joe Root actually held up an end and did a pretty good job. I know he got he got smacked a little bit right at the end when Pat Cummins went after him, but uh, he did a really good holding role. So I think they might think that, OK, well, Joe Root can hold up an end if Rehan can't land it. We know we've got uh, a bit of a backup there. Um, but, you know, it seems like Rehan's batting is, is equally uh, as promising as his bowling. So he would, would offer a little bit in the same way that Moeen did. Yeah, well, let's take a look at Rehan's stats from the county championship so far this season. He's from Leicestershire and he's taken six wickets only in his seven matches at an average of 67.66. So not a whole lot. Hardly flattering, right? Not a whole lot to read into there, but his batting has been uh, very admirable. 423 runs, an average of 38. He did make his test debut in Pakistan in December, taking seven wickets on test debut, including a five for in the second innings. So he's shown that he's not going to be overawed necessarily on the big stage, but it's a bold selection to bring in an 18-year-old in an Ashes test. And I think it might be the young, if he plays, might be the youngest Ashes player in a long, long time. He certainly would be, yeah. I mean, the thing that they've got to weigh up and, you know, we're having a look at the wicket at the moment, it's it's green. It's not quite as green as it was yesterday, uh, but, and we're expecting, you know, a fair bit more grass to be shaved off it by the time the game starts on Wednesday morning, our time. Uh, whether they could play four quicks instead and they mm. could keep the three that they had in Edgbaston, uh, in Anderson, Broad and Robinson and potentially add Mark Wood to that and then rely on Joe Root 
uh, and I guess Ben Stokes. The fact they've got Ben Stokes in that team yeah. suggests they've already kind of got four quicks. I know he's not the most reliable in terms of we don't know how his knee's going game to game, so that could encourage him to do that. And, the, I mean, the other part of it is if it is a green wicket, do they need the extra pace of wood or do they go with the three kind of, not medium paces, but medium fast guys who they know might get a little bit more out of the wicket. Sure. We've seen Jimmy Anderson uh, and Ollie Robinson, both pen columns uh, this week, <laughs> saying, among a lot of other things, especially from Ollie Robinson, that they really want a bit more out of the yeah. wickets. So kind of a bit of contradictory messaging there. Like before the series, they wanted fast, flat wickets. Uh, and now their bowlers want a little bit more out of them. So uh, that's all for England to consider over the next day or two. So the other pace bowlers in the England squad are Mark Wood, as you mentioned, Chris Wokes, who Australian fans would have seen a lot of, especially in the white ball formats, Matthew Potts, who's played quite a few test matches now and then, a young man named Josh Tung, who made his test debut against Ireland just before the Ashes, and he brings a bit more height and a bit more pace. So there's a few different options, and they all bring something a bit different to the table. Yeah, so Tung's the kind of guy they might see as the backup to Mark Wood. So you probably wouldn't see him and Wood play in the same team. It was interesting, Tung got picked ahead of Wokes uh, for the Island test earlier uh, in the summer here. So whether Wokes would then kind of come jump back mm. in front of him. Um, and then Matthew point. Potts has got a, a really good record in uh, in test cricket already and, and, you know, a great county bowler. So... Uh, they're, the, they're the options for England. I was also running the numbers on the Lord's tests. Over the last eight, which is the last four years, 93% of wickets here have come from the quicks. So spinners really don't play a big role, uh, history says. So maybe they will go four quicks and rely on Root, who, yeah, as you said, went a bit over two and over in the last test. And this is where I think you've got the biggest difference between the two sides. In Nathan Lyon, a guy who's coming up to 500 test wickets, he's going to play his 100th test in a row here. Um, you know, amazingly durable cricketer. Australia have such an advantage with him and you'll hear a little bit uh, in from Travis Head about how England are going after uh, Nathan Lyon and providing him with a real different challenge to what he's ever had before. I know people have always tried to slog him out of the attack, but England, are, you know, they're not going to back down from that. We know they've kind of shown their hand there. So, um, but, you know, it's just a, a real luxury for Australia to have that over England at the moment and England are kind of scrambling a little bit, you know, with, with Moeen. But also I, I don't think we can make enough of the Stokes thing, like the fact he can't bowl... Uh, reliably and you don't know what you're going to get out of him game to game compared to Australia having Cameron Green uh, that's you know that's a really big factor well let's jump over to the Aussie side of things Nathan Lyon he's in the nervous 490s do you reckon he'll be nervous uh, (laughs) looking down the barrel of 500 test wickets well he's always nervous right like (laughs) all the players laugh that you know even after 124 tests I think it is he's still nervous before (laughs) games um, which is, you know, probably what makes him so good. It shows he cares, I suppose. Um, yeah, would he be extra nervous around four? <laughs> I reckon he probably would be around okay. 490 wickets. Yeah, it doesn't take much for him, but you know that nerves never seem to really affect his game. Um, he always comes on and hits a spot from ball one, but what an extraordinary achievement. And it'd be really nice for him to do it at, uh, at Lords, you know, the, the home of cricket. And as you said, it's his 100th test in a row. He'll become the sixth player in men's test history to do that and the first bowler so phenomenal achievement from Nathan Lyon there the Aussies have a obviously the pace attack we know is super strong Mitchell Stark missed out in the first test he's been up in Nottingham watching Alyssa Healy in the women's test for the last few days but he's here today at training as you mentioned off the top and now their question mark is does he come in for one of the three quicks that played an edge baston or do they stick fat with the winning formula yeah, it's an interesting uh, discussion point, isn't it? We're actually just watching Mitchell Stark bowl out in the middle now. So it looks like he's preparing and hoping to play this second test. He was unlucky to lose his spot 
in the first instance, wasn't he? I mean, he's got a fantastic test record over the last two years. Since the 2019 Ashes, uh, he's really worked on that wobble seam ball and we know how much he's improved as a test bowler. So, you know, Scott Boland got the nod over him in that uh, first test. Scott Boland got taken to. He's going to, a bit like Nathan Lyon, he is going to have a new challenge for himself now. There looks like England really see him as the guy they can attack. Uh, and they would do the same to, to Mitchell Stark if he played. We know Mitch can go for a few extra runs. He doesn't make any secret of that. He's not a metronomic, economical kind of bowler that Cummins and Hazelwood often are. Um, I kind of think that, you know, everyone, you know, especially in that first innings, everyone was kind of going at yeah. a lot of runs per over. Yeah. So maybe you just kind of go, well, Mitch, yeah, he might go for five or six and over, but he can also bowl the wicket-taking balls and brings that extra pace. So I think he'll come really strongly into contention, whether it is for bowling or not, uh, is, is probably the question. The, the other interesting part about all this is the Australians didn't bowl that many overs. In, at Edgbaston and they've got a seven day break so there's nothing to suggest that they couldn't just stick with the attack that they used at Edgbaston it would be unfortunate for anyone to lose their spot after they won that test but just running through the numbers of the fast bowlers Cummins bowled 32.2 overs Hazelwood bowled 25 overs Boland bowled 26 overs and Cameron Green only eight so they're not going to be too tired those four guys yeah and Hazelwood coming off such a long layoff as well was probably the pick of Australia's bowls on day one when England were really going hard and a sort of confident that he doesn't need the extra break now given we've had seven days between tests and only bowled 25 overs? Yeah, good question. I mean, he's the one who's had the most injury kind of concerns over the last little bit. So, But I kind of think he's a must-pick the way he bowled. Um, and I think the way they want to play their cricket now, so we know they're going to basball Australia, they're going to try and go at them. We're just using basball as, as a verb now. <laughs> uh, so I think he's a really important cog in their attack. For me, it would be out of Stark and Boland. Um, and Stark would probably just be that slightly more attacking option. But, you know, whichever way they go, Boland will play again in this series and he will, is going to have to come up with something slightly different to counter England because they show they're going to run down the wicket at him, they're going to reverse lap him, they're going to throw things at him that he's never before seen in Sheffield Shield cricket or his, his you know, brief test career to date. So that's a fascinating subplot, I think. All right, Lou, this has been the Lord's Test Preview brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia. Let's jump into the chat with Travis Head right now. All right, we're here at the Aussie Team Hotel in London and we are joined by Australia's answer to Baz Ball himself, Trav Ball. <laughs> Travis Head, welcome to the Unplayable Podcast. How Thanks are you? Me. Yeah, I'm going good. Chilling. It's nice. Talk us through that Edgebaston test. Where does that rank for you in terms of best victories? Yeah, it's probably number one. Um, but yeah, we've been, yeah, it was an incredible week. Um, obviously, anticipation of first Ashes test. Um, yeah, we've played well on Edgebaston in the past. We've had good memories and nice to add to them. It was um, nice to be on the winning side of one of the close ones. How were the nerves in the second half of the fifth day? Um, obviously, you were back in the sheds, but how were you holding up? Who was the worst in the dressing sheds? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like, you, you take a couple of hours after you get out, and you're like, you, I sort of pot around the change room, and then you find your spot, and you don't move for the next couple of hours. So, uh, I was next to Manus and, and Scotty Boland. So, polar opposites um, <laughs> nice and calm next to me on one side and talking me through every shot on the other side but um yeah we were i was pretty good until we got the single figures um and i think baz was the same we sort of said when we got to seven, eight or nine runs we asked if we could get it back to 25 or 30 because we were you sort of what ifs at that stage but then you yeah probably expect to win when you get to single figures so um yeah the nerves jumped up and um what an incredible couple of hours were the nerves worse before or after you batted like when you i think patty said something about how 
when you're actually out in the middle, it's easier because you're in control. Once you'd kind of gotten out, you're 5 for 143, I think, was it kind of worse for you at that point? Yeah, I think both sides of batting, a, like before you go in and then post, um, yeah, a lot of emotions. Yeah, it's a lot easier controlling your own fate when you're out there. Um, so, yeah, but probably worse when I was watching. Um, I'm not too bad before I go out to bat. So, um, yeah, it was just the empty space. It was more the energy in the room. You could sense it and feel it. Um, everyone was a bit on edge, um, a lot of sweaty palms. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting couple of hours and piggy seat wisely. It, it was a cracking test. I mean, even without the, the finish and how good that finish was, I think we would have thought it was a great test anyway. What did you kind of make of, you know, Bad's ball and how England played and your first look at that brand of cricket? Did you think it made for, uh, you know, as a, as a neutral, if you can be that, did you think it made for a good game? Oh, it was an ex- unbelievable game. Everyone I spoke to sort of day two, day three were just in awe of it and what, what, what it sets up and what it looks like for four more test matches of that. Um, playing in it, it was full on. Um, sort of mentally and emotionally and physically is like we didn't spend much time out in the middle but for me it's about, I've never spent I spent the whole game on the boundary so um, <laughs> to concentrate and try to find the ball it's a tough view in ground knowing that probably every ball may come to me um, was yeah, was something different and um, yeah it took it as it took it out of us um, but yeah I think we come to expect that we've seen that for the period that they've played under Ben and, and Baz and um, yeah we, we got a first look at it and um, we'll try to continue to learn and get better at what we want to do and there's some things that we want to tighten up but um yeah first look at it, it was a pretty amazing start can we talk about your uh, experience on the boundary there it looked like they were giving you a bit but you were giving a bit back as well it looked like you really embraced it was that sort of the plan yeah well i got tap on the shoulder and sort of got sent out there in the second innings and um maybe because i can take it i'm not sure but um you've got to win them over quickly um otherwise you're in for a very very long day so um it's it's all part of it um yeah, cop a fair share. I didn't know 4,000 people knew me so well. So, um, But, um, yeah, the boys, so 4,000 people behind me and 10 blokes in front of me all give me sticks. So um, the boys enjoyed it. Um, yeah, a little bit of fun, a little bit of theatre. Um, it's Yeah, it was all good fun. Was there one point, Trav, where you – it looked like you sprinted out to go field after – in front of the Hollies. Was that like, oh, I'm just going to go out there as quickly as possible before anyone else can go there? Or? Yeah, oh, they were sort of joking about, like, I'd go in the field and they would sort of want me back on the boundary and run back out and get a cheer. So we went off for the rain break and they were all a bit flat about us going off. I said to the boys, and went back over and sprint out there as soon as the umpires <laughs> went out there. So, um, yeah, again, all good fun. Um, Again, got them on my side a little bit. Um, meant they didn't call me everything under the sun the whole time. They were a little bit on my side sometimes. So, um, And I think they enjoyed it and the whole part of the entertainment of cricket and enjoying things and have a bit of fun. Have they thought up a song for Travis Head yet? Nothing that we can talk on about. Okay. Um, yeah, so like I said, I didn't know so many people knew me so well, but um, yeah, I haven't been called that, those sort of words at many joints, but um, I think this week my, at Lords might be a little bit more calm. Did it work? I mean, by the end of the test, were they on your side, did you think? No chance. <laughs> For the glimpses I had them on my side, it quickly went the other way. So, um, no, they're very, very passionate, very loyal fans. So, um, did make a little bit of a joke. I didn't see them. They rushed out pretty quickly after the game. I didn't get to say goodbye to them very quickly. So, um, they weren't too happy by the end, um, which is nice. I remember in 19, that day five was the quietest mm. day we had when we were on top. And um, I feel like in the, in the tour, if you can put enough pressure and, and play well enough, then that side of things will stay pretty quiet. So, um, but yeah, they're very passionate fans and it was good fun. And boundary fielding might be really important this series. Is that something like 
crowd aside, is that something you enjoy doing and work hard and then like like to work hard on as well? Uh, oh, just wherever I needed to be. Um, I probably didn't expect it as much. Like when you go on the game and what you're doing, like normally it's the big quicks on the boundary and whatnot, and you might go out there for the odd over at deep square or for Nath and that. Um, and I've obviously worked a little bit on my close in catching as well um, off the fastball, but I don't think I'll be under there too much either. So um, I was surprised at how much I did, what our fields did look like. Obviously, not being in any of the planning meetings or whatnot leading into the test and how we we're going to counteract their positive play. Um, but I thought we did nicely, but yeah, I didn't expect to spend as much time as I did out on the boundary. Can we talk about your batting, Trav, and especially maybe let's start with the first innings? I mean, it was a fascinating tactical battle for, for us watching when. Moeen's bowling to you and you just keep donking him back over his head and they didn't change the field. I mean, mid on, mid off, up, just stayed up that whole time. Have you ever kind of encountered tactics like quite like that? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, like I said, I just wanted, if the ball presented a score, I score, I said that a lot over the last little bit. Um, so it was nice to get opportunity to score and, and the tactic at the other end, obviously, with just a full-on bouncer plan, um, maybe ta- like obviously one to get me out but also to stem the scoreboard a little bit um so it was nice to i guess build a partnership and find runs at the other end um when you're going through i guess the dryness of the of the, the scoreboard at the other end facing that because it is difficult to to score and if you want to score then you've got to obviously there's a percentage chance that you could give you wicket up so um balancing at that at the other end it was it was nice obviously getting a partnership get the scoreboard moving and and continue the day and i felt like we were in like a little bit of that limbo situation so it's nice to put on I think 80 or 90 runs with us and and get that scoreboard moving it was disappointing to obviously get out but um yeah I didn't look at it as much I, I guess it was just execution of it um mm-hmm. felt like it was there probably got a little bit close to it um but really really play, pleased with I didn't overplay the situation with having them up it was, could I quite easily try to be a lot more aggressive mm-hmm. um but I felt like I waited for my opportunities and was able to pick them off slowly um and he's got some beautiful balls in him as well. So I was conscious of not overplaying it and running past one or being beaten by one, um, which in the second innings he bowled me a really, really nice ball. So, um, yeah, really, really good battle. Are you expecting the quicks to bowl anything in your half in this series, Trav? I was surprised I got a couple overs in the second innings. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> Big Rig was Big Ollie Robinson was a bit uh, bit tired. But, um, no, he did bowl a couple overs full, which I was surprised at. Um, I thought that India were going to do it earlier. Um, I guess I've worked really, really hard on my front foot stuff and I feel like it's in a good place and I feel like, the, my, I guess, my scoring rate, they're always going to come somewhere, whether it be wide with six or seven gullies and a couple of deep points, um, whether it be at my stumps with a, with a stacked leg side field or whether it be bounces with a stacked um, leg side field. So those are sort of the three plans I had in my head around where they were going to go. Um, wicket depending, I think, as well. And that's very similar to Shield Cricket, very similar to what David Saker did at Victoria. And I think having him in that camp as well, knowing how he, how he sort of goes about it, and especially how Victoria had gone in the past on my game, I sort of had those sort of three plans on what they were going to do. So they picked with that one and stuck with it. And um, yeah, that's fine. I've worked hard at it. Um, obviously, it's not, not ideal. Uh, I like to pitch up and be able to score or find ways of scoring, but I'll just battle my way through it. And I feel like that's going to be the series for me. Is that right that Victoria had the exact same tactics to you under Saker? Oh, not not under Sakes. I think under all the coaches. But right. Victoria, for as the, were probably the ones that stand out in that extremes. Um, under well, Peter's captain and the extremes of working through um, a stacked um, offside field and hang the ball and, and test me there and then. And then after after a little bit, if it hadn't worked, then a stacked leg side field or a bouncer plan. And they were guys that, that like really double down on just full out plans. So 
Um, and having seen a little bit what Ben spoke about before the test and some ideas and that, I sort of knew it was coming um, and I wasn't surprised by it. So um, I felt like I played it well. I played a lot better than I did at the Oval, which probably leads itself into drawing more attention to it because I don't think I played it as well as I would have liked. Um, but yeah, here we are now. I've caught the barrage for four more tests and look, if I can take overs out of the bowlers, um, if I can bat time, which I felt like I did in the, in the first innings, um, again, if Manus and Smudge put some time in as well and when I come out and I have to go to that plan, then hopefully it means that, yeah, exerted effort and blokes at the other end sort of can benefit from that. It was an interesting pitch, wasn't it? Because the Aussies sort of went away from the bouncer in the first innings, but England found some success with it in the second oh, and in the first. Was it still a successful tactic, the bouncer, in hindsight, um, even with the slowness of the pitch? Oh, I think you'll see it for both tails. Um, I think that's... We've seen that for a few Ashes series in a row now, um, whether it be Australia or England. Um, that the, both teams are probably going to attack their tail pretty hard. Um, the slowness of the wicket probably didn't help things as well. Um, but sometimes that can be harder as a batsman to play off such a slow pitch. Um, inconsistencies in bounce and fields and whatnot it only takes a little bit to top edge or bottom edge or find yourself in a, in a funny position. So. Um, Sometimes the quicker and more consistent the wickets are, the, the, the easier it is to play. Guys in Australia talk about Brisbane and the Wacker being really, really nice play places to play short pitch bowling. We've actually probably received short pitch bowling the most in those, but the MCG where it's a bit up and down or Adelaide Oval um, before probably drop-ins, but up and down a little bit more, um, somewhat difficult. So, yeah, it's it was a tactic that we've seen. I'm, I'm sure we'll see it a lot throughout the series. Another tactic I want to ask you about is the fielding positions and specifically off Mo and Ali, there was that guy for the straight hit. Was that, uh, was that just to get in your head or was that a legitimate position in your mind? Oh, I think it was a really good position because uh, the places we attacked him was there um, and then they want a mobile really nicely into the stumps and it felt like I couldn't really cut him in somewhere that I'd probably be stronger against off spin, go back and cut but with the wicket being slower and lower. Yeah, it took that scoring shot away and I guess they're asking us to hit square and Mo doesn't leave the stumps much. So, um, yeah, I felt like they still had their attacking. And I think we, you've seen it with us as well with Brooke. We sort of had that one just right of mid-off. So you still have your mid-off, someone behind mid-off and asking to hit in a different area because he's so strong, even off the quicks where he's so strong over sort of that extra cover region. Um, I think you'll see some different field settings and, and some different positions to just try and get guys to hit it in different areas. So, um, yeah, some good tactics and we've come to expect it, obviously, with how they've spoken about how they're going to play. It's fun to watch anyway. Yeah, and even kind of just picking up on that, when you guys set fields for Joe Root, when he got Scotty away for a couple yep. of those awesome reverse ramps, I mean, awesome for us <laughs> watching, yeah. maybe not awesome in the field, but we've kind of seen Test cricket played to its extremes. Like, we've never seen guys on those parts of the ground before. Can you kind of talk us through when Joe is kind of going through that, you know, just on a heater, yeah. um, how it kind of twists the fields and twists your tactics a bit? I think with both teams, they're going to try to suffocate the boundary, I think, if that makes sense, and try to get batters playing full defence. And that's all, in Test Creek, you're always talking about getting batters to play full defence, bring your slips in, Nick, Bold, LBW, um, especially with the Duke, because it can just do a little bit um, on any wicket at any stage. So I guess... Um, yeah, if we feel like in South Africa and three sips in a gully and they're going hard and you want them to nick it, but then if they're finding ways to get boundaries, um, how can they find boundaries in different areas? He's actually played the reverse scoop unbelievably well. He probably missed one and it was the first ball of the day, but once he's been set, he's sort of found a way to get bat on it. Um, 
And you've seen the same thing with, with Bearstow batting out of his crease and Alex coming up with a stump. So um, I guess every tactic's about, and, and Ben would be the same with Mo and Alex with the straight man. It'd be like, how can we get them to play a defensive shot or play the ball in an area where they don't particularly want to play it? So um, there's going to be a lot of cat and mouse throughout the series. I think we've seen that early. Um, yeah, and we'll, we'll see some fielders in some spots that we've never really seen them before. So um, makes for interesting. Would you ever try the reverse ramp? Not a chance. I can't play a normal <laughs> reverse sweep. Um, yeah, I barely can. I barely can play it on the on my left hand <laughs> side. So, um, yeah, no, that's. Oh, I've t- I've tinkered with stuff, not that shot in particular. Um, but yeah, I just yeah, I'm, I find it easier just to clear my front leg and slog it rather than try <laughs> to be too funky. Um, and I think, yeah, that works for me. What about your bowling? How's that coming along? Are we going to see you roll over the arm in the ashes? With how hard they're going, I don't. I'm not sure about it. Um, Brooke could put a hole in me if I bowl a couple <laughs> of him, but um, no, yeah, I've, I've bowled a little bit um, at training, not too much. Um, I've just concentrated really hard on my batting and, and um, at the moment. But yeah, again, I've always said if they need it, um, I actually did like how dry the wicket was and how much rough maybe maybe Manchester. We've seen Marnus get a little bowl in 19 and win us a game, and I'd won over in that game as well, but. Yeah, the amount that Gaz is bowling, if they do need it, I think Pat said at one stage he might have given me a roll the other day. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. But um, I think Gaz is doing a beautiful job at the moment. Well, actually, I just want to ask you about that. He's coming up close to 500 test wickets. Is he, is he getting better and better? Talk us through what it's like to play with Nathan Lyon. Yeah, well, he was, what was he, 400 in um, Brisbane That's in the right. last yeah, Ashes. So yeah. two years later and we're talking 500. He's had an exceptional couple of years. Um, yeah, and this is a great test for him as well because no team's played him like this. He's normally our banker, he's normally someone that sits in and goes just over two and over and we can rotate our quicks. So a little bit similar to how England did it last week. Um, and he's just got on a dime. So it was interesting to see how they attacked him um, and the success he had with it. He had a beautiful week. He bowled well. Um, he got tried to get them to hit his best ball um, and he, he found some results from that. So um, they're going to continue to take him hard, but I feel like it's it continuing each week he's been here, he's, he's coming out of hand better. And um, yeah, 500 test wickets, amazing. And it's, it will be amazing to see how much further he can go with that. And I think he's still got a lot of time left in him, I think. Can we ask you about um, Ollie Robinson, who, and we want to ask you because we know you've played with him. He's basically become public enemy number one back in Australia with some of the stuff he said. What's he like as, as a bloke? What do you make of it all? Um, yeah, I, I find it very humorous, obviously, playing with him and seeing him for a couple of weeks before we got into camp. Um, yeah, every probably every Australian is not going to like him. Every Englishman loves him and he's someone that, you, I guess, playing in his team, you enjoy. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, he's getting he's he's playing a hard game, I think, at the minute. He's, he's, I think everything I read is Ollie Robinson at the minute. So... Um, but I think he actually enjoys it a little bit. Um, it eggs him on. Um, but yeah, he's got to play well. Otherwise, he'll have a few Australians on his back um, from our side in the dressing room. He's not too bothered by it all, but um, it's hard not to laugh at it. Can you explain why you saw him for a couple of weeks beforehand? What were you doing before the before the? Yeah, ashes? I sort of spent eight days at, at Sussex, so um, had a little bit of time post honeymoon where I had a little bit of a gap and CA had sorted some stuff out at a club and sort of I thought about it when I was on our way uh, when I was away and obviously I played and had close connections at Sussex and gave um, Paul Firebase a call and he's more than welcome to have me and um, some familiar faces and Luke Wright's brother. Ash did some work with him so um, yeah they opened their doors which they didn't have to um, but it was yeah it was nice sun was out Brighton's an amazing face I absolutely love the boys um, and Jess and Miller had, had a ball as well so um, nice to have seven eight days where I was able to yeah have a few hits before the boys got in town and then I didn't have to go home. 
lovely postscript to your honeymoon, mate. I'm sure Jess was, was delighted with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was always in the plans to have a few days um, here before the boys got to town. So, um, yeah, in the sun, in, uh, in Brighton was a nice touch. Let's move on to the next test. Um, you got a few runs here last time around. What are your memories from the 2019 Ashes match here at Lords? Uh, yeah, it was it was a tough test. Um, Joffre bowled like the wind. Um, yeah, and it was an interesting test. I felt like we had it. Um, we were driving the game, and then um, and Stokesy played really really well, and then put the pressure back on us, and we were able to fight out a draw, which was nice. Um, so yeah, but the wickets always suited us. I think we play well here, so um, looking for the week and it's Lords. So um, what an amazing place to play at. Expecting it to be a bit more of a uh, faster, spicier pitch than the last one. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. We've seen some really, really good batting wickets over the time at Lords, and, and then on the flip side, we've seen some green ones. So um, we'll wait and see. Um, going to town training today, and we'll, we'll get a look at it. But I think there'll be a little bit more in it than last week. Have you played against Rehan Ahmed before, and what do you expect if you get the chance against him? I haven't. Um, obviously, an exciting cricketer. Harry's just walked in, so he said he's played him a few weeks ago. And um, but yeah, we've we've just had Marcus Harris walk into the room. Marcus, maybe you can tell us. Yep. Okay. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Talented goes well. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's batted well and he's got some good results for the ball. So, be interesting what they go with. Root bowled really, really well last week as well. So, they may play the four seamers with Stokes and him. So, um, yeah, a few things that may come out, but we'll be ready for it. Travis, thank you so much for joining us. We've really appreciated the chat and all the best for the Lord's Test. No, easy. Thanks for having me. Harris stuffed up when he walked in and started talking. <laughs>